Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 18th edition of the WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A group of more than 500 Los Angeles firefighters filed a lawsuit against the city over its requirement that employees be vaccinated against COVID-19. The lawsuit claims the city's mandate is a violation of employees' constitutionally protected privacy rights. The lawsuit was filed on behalf of the Firefighters for Freedom Foundation, a nonprofit representing 529 members. A group of the employees in the Los Angeles Police Department also sued last week over the vaccination mandate. The City of Los Angeles moved to require city employees to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by early October when granting, while granting exemptions to employees with medical conditions or sincerely held religious beliefs. More than 460 exemption requests have been submitted by fire department employees, a number equal to 12.5% of the department's workforce. The lawsuit alleges the city does not have the power to order forced vaccinations of its employees or residents, and that the vaccine mandate is both unnecessary and ineffective in protecting the public. 58.5% of the sworn members of the fire department have been fully vaccinated, and 66% have received at least one dose. And the total member of fire department employees who have been tested positive for COVID-19 is 1,079, but 1,056 of the employees have recovered and returned to full duty. Two firefighters have died after contracting the disease. Over the past weekend, Southwest Airlines canceled more than 2,000 flights. The mass flight cancellation sparked unsubstantiated claims from some social media, users, and politicians, including Texas Senator Ted Cruz, that pilots and air traffic controllers had either walked off their jobs or called in sick to protest federal vaccination mandates. But Southwest said that bad weather and air traffic control issues were to blame for the cancellations. Southwest, the Southwest Airlines Pilot Association, and Federal Aviation Administration officials have all denied there's any truth to the theories that employee pushback was to blame for the weekend issues. Notwithstanding theories about the massive flight cancellations, this October, Southwest Airlines Pilots Association filed a motion for temporary and permanent injunction relief against Southwest's newly announced vaccination mandate in its ongoing lawsuit with Southwest Airlines, initially filed back in October in August 30. The airline told employees last week that they would be required to get the vaccine by December 8. The lawsuit asserts the airlines are in violation of the Railway Labor Act, Section 6, which requires the parties to maintain status quo until a new agreement is reached. The lawsuit maintains that the carrier cannot alter pay rates, rules, 
and working conditions until a new agreement has been made. The suit alleges that the new vaccine mandate unlawfully imposes new conditions of employment and the new policy threatens termination of any pilot not fully vaccinated by December 8. Thus it says that Southwest Airlines' additional new and unilateral modifications of the party's collective bargaining agreement is in clear violation of the federal law. The amended complaint has two counts. Count 1, failure to maintain the status quo during the ongoing major dispute and Count 2, failure to exert every reasonable effort to reach agreement. And now our crime report. The Court of Appeal ruled that the Labor Code Medical Office Self-Referral Prohibition does not apply to same office facilities in a criminal case pending against Dr. Sanjoy Banerjee, a pain physician, being prosecuted for this offense. Banerjee provided billings and doctor's reports concerning medical services to workers' compensation patients through three entities that Banerjee owned and operated from a single location in Wildemar, California. The first entity was Sanjoy Banerjee, MD, Incorporated, doing business as Pacific Pain Care Consultants. The second was Kensington Diagnostics, LLC, and the third entity, Rochester Imperial Surgical Center, LLC. Banerjee presented workers' compensation billings totaling nearly $158,000 to Berkshire Hathaway home state companies through the Kensington and Rochester entities. But Berkshire paid less than 10% of the amount billed after fee schedule reductions. Each doctor's report, including an attestation under penalty of perjury that the doctor had not violated the anti-self-referral limitation under Labor Code Section 139.3. Banerjee was charged with two counts of insurance fraud and three counts of perjury based on the alleged violations of Labor Code Section 139.3a, which prohibits physician self-referrals to entities where the physician owns a specified financial interest. According to a Berkshire investigator who testified at the preliminary hearing as the only witness, Banerjee was obligated to disclose his financial interests in Kensington and Rochester, and Berkshire had no business records indicating that Banerjee had indeed made this disclosure. But the Superior Court denied Dr. Banerjee's motion to dismiss the information as unsupported by reasonable or probable and probability and set a trial on the merits after the preliminary hearing. But the Court of Appeal granted his petitions for a writ of prohibition and dismissed the perjury charges, but rejected the petition as to the fraud charges for overbilling in the published case of Banerjee versus the Superior Court. To date, no published court decision has interpreted these provisions of the California Labor Code. These statutes were enacted in 1993 as part of Assembly Bill 110, 
that was part of a comprehensive package of legislation that reformed the state's workers' compensation laws. It was intended to reduce costs and strengthen conflict of interest rules in the workers' compensation system. Section 139.3a makes it unlawful for a physician to refer a person for specified services if the physician or his or her immediate family has a financial interest with the person or in the entity that receives the referral. A violation of this labor code provision is a misdemeanor. But Labor Code Section 139.31e provides an exception. The prohibition shall not apply to any service for a specific patient that is performed within or goods that are supplied by a physician's office or the office of a group practice. The court's interpretation of this section was that the exception applies to Banerjee's financially interested self-referrals to his two other legal entities since they are both located in his same office. Since his alleged violation was the only basis to support the perjury charges, the perjury charges were dismissed. But the court went on to say that the record also supports a strong suspicion that Tensington and Rochester were sham entities and that Banerjee performed them with the specific intent to defraud Berkshire Hathaway through his Kensington and Rochester billings. The Kensington and Rochester billings gave the appearance that the entities were not part of his medical practice, but were standalone diagnostic testing and surgical centers operating independently of any physician's office. Thus, the court granted the writ as to the perjury charges, but denied it as to the insurance fraud claim. The California Attorney General announced the filing of criminal charges against Alma Hernandez and Jose Moscoso as a result of a multi-agency investigation. Investigators say the executive director of the Service Employees International Union, California, and her husband embezzled from a union-run political action committee and lied on their state taxes for half a decade. Alma Hernandez resigned her union post following this announcement. SEIU California represents over 700,000 employees in every county of the state. The California Department of Justice's Bureau of Investigation began looking into the married couple after an investigation by the Fair Political Practices Commission revealed Hernandez allegedly embezzled money from an SEIU California-sponsored political action committee. The California Franchise Tax Board uncovered alleged underreporting of Hernandez and Moscoso's income as the investigation spiraled into other areas. And the Employment Development Department also identified that McCosco's air duct cleaning business allegedly failed to report employees' wages for several years. The criminal complaint alleges that two checks totaling $11,700 were approved by Hernandez and issued by the PAC's bank account to Moscoso for services he did not provide. The criminal complaint also alleges that Moscoso's 
And Hernandez also allegedly filed false joint income tax returns when they underreported nearly a million dollars of income to the franchise tax board. The couple are alleged, alleged to owe more than $140,000 in unpaid income tax. Moscoso allegedly did not disclose to the EDD that he employed multiple individuals to work in his air duct cleaning business, resulting in more than $300,000 in underreported wages. Moscoso also allegedly failed to file quarterly reports with the EDD and failed to pay more than $16,000 in employment taxes. It would be reasonable to assume that perhaps workers' compensation premium fraud arose out of the same payroll fraud. However, the Attorney General did not include workers' compensation premium fraud as one of the charges. It is not known if it was investigated or ruled out. Both Hernandez and Moscoso are charged with a special allegation of aggravated white-collar crime with a loss over $100,000. A Los Angeles Superior Court judge has dismissed felony fraud and grand theft charges against a Baldwin Park Unified School District employee who was accused of misrepresenting her COVID-19 symptoms to collect more than $33,000 in workers' comp benefits. The judge cited a lack of evidence in dismissing the case against Stephanie Medrano. Deputy District Attorney Melinda Murray supported the judge's decision at Miranda's preliminary hearing on October 8. The California Department of Insurance launched an investigation against her after receiving a claim of suspected fraud from her employer, the Baldwin Park Unified School District. Medrano was reportedly exposed to COVID-19 while in the workplace and subsequently filed a work comp claim. Investigators claimed Medrano made multiple misrepresentations in order to extend a workers' comp insurance claim submitted to her employer after she was diagnosed with COVID. She told her employer that she self-quarantined for a few weeks and reported she only left her house twice to buy medicine for her mother and sister, who were both also diagnosed with COVID-19. Medrano reported her symptoms related to the COVID-19 diagnosis were so severe she was unable to work. But the investigation found that during the time Medrano claimed she was self-quarantining, she was seen shopping at multiple stores for several hours a day, and interacting with people from outside her immediate household without a face mask. Further, investigators uncovered that Medrano traveled to Lake Havasu with people who live outside her household just two days after she reported she was still experiencing symptoms to the doctor overseeing her claim. But the Superior Court judge found no relevance to the fact that she went grocery shopping and on a weekend getaway the weekend before she returned to work. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has posted the 2020 DWC Audit Unit Annual Report on its website. The Audit Unit Annual Report provides information on how claims administrators audited by the DWC performed 
and includes the administrator's ranking report for audits conducted in calendar year 2020. The DWC Audit and Enforcement Unit completed a total of 60 audits this year, of which 33 were routinely selected for profile audit review. Another 27 audits were selected, of which three were target audits based on the failure of a prior audit, and 24 audits were based on credible referrals or complaints filed with the audit unit. The profile audit review subjects consisted of nine insurance companies, 11 self-administered or self-insured employers, 33 third-party administrators, and seven insurance companies or third-party administrators that combined claims and adjusting locations. The DWC Administrative Director's 2020 Audit Ranking Report lists in order by performance rating the administrators audited in calendar year 2020. 21 of the audit subjects met or exceeded the routine profile audit review performance standard and therefore had no penalty citations assessed. However, these audit subjects were ordered to pay all unpaid compensation. Twelve audit subjects failed to meet or exceed routine profile audits review standards, so their audits expanded into full compliance audits of indemnity claims. Five of those twelve failed to meet or exceed the FCA 2020 performance standard after a full compliance audit, so their audits expanded into a full compliance audit of indemnity claims stage two, and samples of denied claims to be audited were added. These audit subjects were assessed administrative penalties for all penalty citations. The Division of Workers' Compensation has launched an update to the online physician education course. The course is known as Evaluating California's Injured Workers, colon, Qualified Medical Evaluators. This course is strongly recommended for all California Qualified Medical Evaluators. It is available also to the public and is valuable for attorneys, claims administrators, and medical providers participating in the California workers' comp system. The course is an educational module developed for medical doctors, chiropractors, and nurses. This activity has been approved for AMA PRA Category 1 credit as well as two hours of QME continuing education credit. Access to the Physician Education Model module can be found on the DWC's website. Also available on the website is another educational module. It's called Caring for California's Injured Workers Using California's Medical Treatment Utilization Schedule, the MTUS. This activity has also been planned and implemented in accordance with the accreditation requirements and policies of the California Medical Association through the joint providership of the Center for Occupational and Environment Health and State of California Department of Industrial Relations Division of Workers' Comp. The Center for Occupation and Environmental Health is accredited by the CMA to provide continuing medical education for physicians. In a sweeping expansion of existing law, Governor Gavin Newsom signed legislation that broadly prohibits non-disclosure clauses 
in settlement agreements involving workplace harassment or discrimination on any protected basis, not just sexual harassment. SB 331, known as the Silence No More Act, takes what state lawmakers believe will be a final stand against employers preventing employees from discussing unlawful acts in the workplace. The new law will nullify and make void provisions with any agreement entered on or after January 1st that prevent or restrict an employee from disclosing factual information on any type of harassment, discrimination, or retaliation. SB 331 builds on SB 820, also known as the Stand Together Against Nondisclosure Act, which California passed back in 2018 in response to the hashtag MeToo movement. To address what advocates of the movement coined as secret settlements used to cover up cases of sexual harassment involving high-profile executives, the Stand Act prohibited the use of confidentiality provisions in settlement agreements, but only for actions including claims based on sexual harassment. Primarily, SB 333 expands the prohibition of confidentiality provisions and agreements for all acts of workplace discrimination or harassment, not just those based on sex. While employees may discuss the underlying facts of the case, employers can still insist on clauses that prevent disclosure of the amount of money paid to settle the claim. Therefore, employers remain somewhat shielded against current and former employees piggybacking off of a settlement with the aim of seeking a similar payout. Employers may also still include non-disparagement clauses in the agreements, provided there is specific language stating the employee's right to disclose information about unlawful acts in the workplace. For those employees with privacy concerns who wish to protect themselves against public attention, the Silenced No More Act leaves untouched the exception allowing claimants to maintain privacy. The National Academy of Social Insurance is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization made up of the nation's leading experts on social insurance. Its mission, mission is to advance solutions to challenges facing the nation by increasing public understanding of how social insurance contributes to economic security. Social insurance encompasses broad-based systems that help workers and their families pool risks to avoid loss of income due to retirement, death, disability, or unemployment, and to ensure access to health care. The Academy just published its workers' compensation benefits, costs, and coverage 2019 data. This latest report is issued annually by the National Academy of Social Insurance. The report draws on data from surveys of workers' compensation agencies from all 50 states, and the District of Columbia, as well as from A&M Best and the National Council on Compensation Insurance. This is the only report of its kind available free of charge for researchers and students, state and federal agencies, workers' rights and employer advocates, and others. 
While overall total benefits paid rose slightly over five-year study period from 2015 to 2019, standardized benefits fell, continuing a 10-year trend. Standardized cash and medical benefits fell by 14% and 16.7% respectively, combining for a total of 15.4% decline in total standardized benefits between 2015 and 2019. While medical benefits as a share of total benefits have increased in recent decades, with the share of scheduled to cash benefits shrinking, the national average masks enormous variations across states in medical costs. In 2019, for example, medical benefits constituted 49.6% of all workers' compensation benefits paid out, Yet, they are only 29.8% of benefits in Washington, D.C. And at the other extreme, 79.1% of benefits paid in Wisconsin. There are considerable cross-state differences within standardized benefits, where only one state, Hawaii, saw an increase over the study period. Declines range from 2.4% in Massachusetts to 30.5% in Tennessee, and 33.1% in Oklahoma. And coverage continued to increase largely because the labor forces continued to expand. In 2019, workers' compensation covered more than 144 million jobs across the country, with a total of $8.6 billion in covered wages. Total employer costs for workers' compensation in 2019 were 1002 billion dollars. And in other industry news, Mitchell, Gen X, and Coventry announced the creation of their new parent brand, Enlight. The three businesses have been moving towards this unification since the merger of Mitchell and Gen X in 2018, followed by the acquisition of Coventry in 2020. The announcement said that this new alignment allows the family of businesses to better serve the industry with a holistic point of view and expanded reach, while remaining focused on the individual needs of clients in the auto, physical damage, auto casualty, and workers' compensation and disability spaces. The new team will be led by Nina Smith, who currently serves as Executive Vice President and General Manager of Mitchell's Casualty Solutions Group. The changes were shared with an invite-only audience of Mitchell, Gen X, and Coventry customers at its 2021 virtual M-Power conference. The three businesses have a combined organization of nearly 6,000 associates. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Skarin, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.